Hello, this is Scott Gordon, head coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. Snow the goalie. 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 Welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players podcast, the personnel podcast, the prognosticators podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, and of course now, Anthony, we can officially call ourselves the Presidential Podcast. Hooray! It's a beautiful thing. I'm uh, Russ Joy. You can find me on Twitter, at Joy on Broad, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find over on Twitter, at Ant San Philly. Anthony? Oh. The yeah, presidential the pres- podcast. Yeah, it's the presidential podcast, Russ, and not because of your Donald Trump impersonation. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> no, which of course, often, it's because... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, which, which often creeps into this this podcast. I don't know why. We, we You have this notion that Donald Trump is a hockey fan, but... Um, <laughs> So that's okay, but uh, no, you can tell everybody. Go ahead, be be really excited. Why is it the presidential podcast, Russ? Listen, the reason that it's the presidential podcast is not because of my great Donald Trump or my uh, my Bernie Sanders. He's not president in the hearts and minds of some. I guess he is. That's my better one. But anyway, the reason that thousands of people have tuned into this episode of Snow the Goalie, of course, is because we had the president of the Philadelphia Flyers, Paul Holmgren, on, and we knew that Paul Holmgren was a tough guy. You've had uh, more than enough time spent around Paul Holmgren in your career covering the Flyers, working for the team and, in, and for various outlets. Um, I like to think that whenever we go into an interview, I'm a, a I'm pretty disarming. Uh, I like to try to be nice to people. You're kind of the muscle. I'm the brains. You know, it's just how it works. So I try to smile at people. I try to be nice. And usually it means that we're going to able to like break down somebody's barriers, right? I will say that Paul Holmgren is a very tough nut to crack. Wait a second. Before I go on this, I'm the muscle, you're the brains? Are you suggesting that we're going to pick up on that? <laughs> I first of all, I've never been considered the muscle of anything, <laughs> so I think I think that's kind of comical. But okay, I'll, look, I'll let you live in your own uh, fantasy world there. Um, yes, Paul Holmgren is a uh, is not a an easy interview. Um, that said, take hockey out of it just for a second. You know, I got to know Paul uh, on a whole different level when I worked for the team, and I can tell you straight out that he's a good man. And that he is very, he helps people in ways that are never publicized. Um, so, you know, knowing Paul the way I know him, it's a little bit harder to really kind of, you know, try and go at him um, because he has such a strong veneer, right? I mean, you know, and, and he, I mean, if anybody remembers the interview he did with Michael Barkan a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> he gave him a death stare like you wouldn't believe. And, and the interview just kind of, you know, stopped at that point. I mean, it, it went on for a couple minutes, but Homer didn't give Barkan much of anything. And, and that's what Paul's really good at. I mean, he's, he's been around for 43 years in this sport. Um, so he knows how to handle an interview. And it was interesting. You had mentioned to me when we were done, that he gave a lot of long answers in the interview. And that, that is something that you're trained to do as an athlete or as a, you know, manager, general manager, limit the questions by giving longer answers. 
Um, so Paul's really good at that. So it's it's kind of difficult. But we did, you know, try and and, uh, and and really dive into some really interesting things with Paul. And you know, we had him for almost forty minutes. Um, and I think that uh, I think we got some good stuff out of him. But uh, I will say this before we dive before we play the interview uh, for the fans. I, I want everybody to. Um, to stay tuned afterwards because there's something that I, I want to address um, that I think could be coming down the pike here with the Flyers, um, and uh, it will be kind of big news if, it, if, if in fact, I'm correct. I'm going to make an educated prediction, um, and, uh, and we'll see, and we could talk about it for, for a couple minutes. So, um, yeah, I think we should just jump right into the interview, let the fans listen uh, to what Paul had to say, and then let's talk about it afterwards. All right, that sounds good. With no further ado, here is Flyers president Paul Holmgren. Well, Russ, we've had a variety of guests over the course of the season here on Snow the Goalie, um, and we're wrapping up the 2018-19 season with Flyers president Paul Holmgren. Paul, thank you for taking the time out to join us today. Uh, it's, it's great to have you uh, on the program. Been hoping to get somebody uh, of your ilk for the entire season. So to get the, make you be the last guest is a, is a really cool thing for us. Um, I, I guess we, we just want to you know, start off. This season's been a little bit of a whirlwind uh, for the Flyers organization. Um, it's, it's not every season that you have a replacement at the general manager position, a replacement at the head coaching position. But you are someone who experienced this previously, and this was not something, this is not a first time for you. I mean, when you became the general manager of this team, it was an in-season switch with, the, with GM and coach. Can you just kind of give like a, a personal assessment of what that's like and how difficult it is to just kind of hit the ground running once mm-hmm. a season's already begun to try and give us an idea of what Chuck has had to go through and, of course, Scott as, mm-hmm. as the interim coach has had to go through? Yeah, well, obviously it's uh... – it's it's not a pleasant uh, thing to go through for for anyone. It's uh, difficult decisions had to be made, and uh, and uh, you know the hiring process of getting Chuck in here was. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't know how long it was going to take. We did uh, a fairly quick search and fairly quick inter- interview process with uh, with four other gentlemen and and um, uh, settled not, not settled on Chuck, but. Believe we got the guy we wanted to move move our team forward, and uh, uh, it happened a little bit quicker than I think we all maybe thought it would. But uh, um, as it turned out, I think it was good that we, we we got it done that quickly because we have some things that we had some things that were in place. We got believe we had a good nucleus of of young players, and and we do and we have a good you know a, a pretty good nucleus of, of core players that are still right in the right age bracket for us to move forward. And, and be a highly competitive team, and you know the the way the season went. Um, uh, once Scott uh, took over, I thought it was a little bit slow the turnaround, but then we kind of caught up to things. Uh, Scott came in when, at a time when there was very little opportunity to practice. You're a new coach, or quite frankly, uh, not even a new coach. If you're any coach, if you don't have time to practice when your team is going through struggles. Uh, it's going to be difficult to get back in. The, the league is just too hard. And uh, I, th- I think Scott did a good job of, of straightening things out after a somewhat of a slow start once the change was made there. And, and um, we got a little practice time in. He was able to initiate some uh, subtle changes to how, how he wanted us to play and, and the style we were playing, particularly in the neutral zone. Um, and we started to get ourselves back into the thick of things and, and uh, sort of get to the point where we were playing some 
you know, significant, meaningful games in March, which is, uh, I think, important. Obviously, you know, to fall short is disappointing to to everyone uh, from top top of the organization on down, right through all the players and the trainers. Like nobody likes this. It stinks, and uh, you know, the opportunity now to move forward and and uh, be in a better position at this time next year is what's on everybody's mind, and uh, we we realize we have work to do, and. Uh, uh, We'll got one game to go. We'll, we'll finish up, and then we'll get busy with our meetings and and cleaning things up. And we've got, as I said, we got lots of things to do to to uh, move toward next season through the um, you know the, the late spring here now and, and uh, the early part of the summer leading up to the draft and and uh, of course development camp right after the draft and then get ready for training camp. In your, in, in your role, I have to imagine that you have to plan for every eventuality. So when you go through something like a GM change and a coaching change, just to pull back the, the curtain a little bit for the people who listen and watch the show, is it something where you're constantly updating in your own mind of if this guy were to come available or if we hit the skids for a while or if we had a, a sustained period of, of underperformance that you have a few names in mind just in the back of your head, not that you're actively looking to replace the people that are in position such as general manager and coach, but do you have a, a list that, that you just kind of maintain uh, you know in the eventuality that something might have to happen uh, I, I, I wouldn't call it a list I think you know at any point in time I, I can go back to when I was GM and going through the a coaching change uh, per se you, you know it's certainly the you know the, the point of no return I guess when you decide you, you need to make a change you probably have a, some idea of what you're gonna, who you're gonna talk to, who you're gonna look at, and you put, you, you start putting wheels in motion and getting that, uh, talk talking to that guy or those particular pl- people you want to talk to about the job. Um, I, th- I think going through what we went through this year is a little bit different because uh, um, you know making a ch- change at the GM level is a little. It's a little more uh, intricate, I guess, for lack of a better word. And um, we we had some high-level talks in, in the organization about what, where where we are, where where we want to be, and how we're going to get there. And and uh, believe that a change needed to be made. And then uh, once once that decision was made internally, um, start looking at, at possible candidates that are either. Not working for teams, or, 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 or what they're doing, and you know the guys we did talk to, uh, including Chuck. Uh, three of those guys were working for other teams in the league, and one of one of those gentlemen was not. So, um, kind of went through the process, and, and uh, as I said earlier, we settled on Chuck uh, fairly quickly, and happy that it worked out that way. I, I want to take you back. I know that the end results of these two seasons are going to be completely different, but when you took over as GM, it was that horrible 2007 season. The Flyers had the worst record in the league. This team's not as bad off, but do you see similarities? Because you were able to turn that team around pretty quickly to get to the Eastern Conference Final the following year. Do you see similarities in how this team is currently constructed and, and can get with a couple of pieces, maybe get to yeah, that level? I think there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. I, I, I look back to uh, 
06, 07, like we had a lot of good young players. I mean, Carter and Richards and Umberger. Um, Alex Picard was on defense. I mean, we, we, we had a lot of a lot of pieces that were in place that were going to get better. So, um, you know, at the same time, we had cap. We knew we had cap space. We knew there were some guys that were going to be available in the free agent market. So there are similarities. I, I, probably the biggest one is we, 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 we believe we have a lot of good young players. And right now on our roster that have, have played significant portions of, you know, Pro Rob, for example, the last two years plus plus this year. And Sanheim now has got, you know, a little bit last year and, and most of this year under his belt. Phil Myers here recently has played a number of games where at least he's got a taste of it. Um, you know, the ability to get under terrible circumstances in the goaltender. Like, I, I don't think any of us thought Carter Hart would be playing games this year, but it just, like, we, we ran, literally ran out of goalies. <laughs> we we, we had, had no other Choice. way to go. And, and um, you know, it, to his credit, he came in and did, did a pretty nice job, right? So we, we believe we have a, um, you know, a guy that, uh, I don't want to say goalie. The, I guess I'm saying goalie of the future. Who knows what's going to happen next year? Is, is, his, is his progress going to be slowed a little bit? Uh, I think he's. Uh, we've seen a taste of what he what he has uh, anyway, and, and uh, obviously like like uh, like his future with the Flyers. So um, you know, up front, uh, Lindblom's uh, been a nice had a nice year really. Um, can, can continue to get better. Nolan can continue to get better. Travis Konechny can continue to get better. And then, you know, Claude and uh, Jake and, and Couturier are the, you know, the older, elder statesmen on our team, if you will. And they're, I, I still believe they're in their, right in the prime of their careers. They're, they're, they're not on the downward slide at all. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that we're, we're excited about internally. And, and, uh, I think you know we, we, we can build on that. Um, one of the things that, that Russ asked when we had Bob Clark on uh, the show, um, he asked him a little bit about uh, restricted free agency and why in the past, or really up until this point, it's not something that teams in the NHL have really pursued. You're one of the few guys who's... You mean an offer sheet? Yeah, yeah, offer sheets, yeah. So you're, you're one of the few guys who's actually gotten someone to sign an offer sheet in the last 30 years. How many was it? I mean, it was... It was, I think, 13 and 30 13 and years. 30 years or whatever it is. Are we at a point now... He, Bob said that he thought that we might be at a point now where you're going to start seeing it happen a little bit more frequently. Do you think that that's the case? And if so, or, or, or if not, why hasn't it really come to happen in the NHL to this point? Well... I don't. You know, number one, it's in the rules. So could it happen? Sure, yeah. it's in the rules. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know that it will. I, I, haven't, I haven't really talked to Chuck about our organization looking at that um, move for for this summer or any summer moving forward. We just it's just something we haven't talked about. So I don't know what's what he's thinking about. Uh, I, I think um, you know it's it's. It's uh, for a team to do it. You have to have a lot of cap space. You, you probably don't have 
you probably can't have young guys on your roster that in the near future are going to maybe be expensive guys. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's not as easy as it sounds, I guess. Uh, and I, I think it, you know, we with you know, you talk about the Flyers and me in particular. We, we did it in I, I can't even recall what year it was, but it was Shea Weber, and we took a we took a huge risk, and and you know, it, it, I think it was worth it taking the risk. It, um, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Nashville uh, matched the offer, but you know, that's a that's a big cap number that. Uh, you know who knows where we'd be right now if that if if we had them. I mean Nashville matched that offer and they've since traded them to to Montreal. So uh, I, I I don't know. Could could they happen in the league? Sure, just there, because they're within the rules. But is there anything else that goes into the calculus of that? Because you know you mentioned the fact that you have to have enough money. You have to know that your cap situation going forward, you're still going to have the space. You know it's going to require. A, you know, it's going to cost your team quite a few assets in terms of draft picks. Is there any part of that 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 in your mind, I mean, it doesn't have to be used specifically, I guess, but do you have to take the human element of it in? Like, is, is there any kind of pause that happens knowing that there's a very decent chance that you could burn a bridge with a team for the foreseeable future, especially if the player signs and that team is up against it and, can, and quite frankly can't match? Is that part of what goes into that? Burn the bridge? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, th I felt, uh, you know, when... David Poyle, I, I felt I, you know, I, I had always had a decent relationship with David, and I think it did, uh, you know, how could it not? A little bit, but I don't know. That Maybe that's just my, my thinking. I, I've never really specifically asked David about it. I mean, I've talked to him, you know, from time to time now when I see him at, at certain things, whether it be league meetings or um, league events. Uh, you know, when we play Nashville, I see him. Um, so it's a not like you know we we don't look at each other or say hi. It's it's a but it's a I don't know. It's how can it not affect in some way? Really, I mean, I think if somebody did did one of the flyers, I'd I'd be pissed. Yeah. I don't my is that be my nature. I don't know. I, I, I'd just be pissed, and then you probably want to get them back at some point, some way. Um, that's that's just me, but um, I, I I think uh, you know the higher level guys. I'm not sure. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to do it. You go after a lower level guy where a team just makes a decision. Well, we we can't pay. You know, for Joe Blow, we we can't afford. He, we don't think he's a three million dollar player. Like maybe there's more of that type of offer sheet in the in the near future as opposed to the you know the. Twelve million dollar guy or whatever, because of all that it entails, and when you when you go for the big fish, maybe there's and I don't know who it is, but there's you know some of these there's teams that are probably going to be at risk, right? We're losing a guy, and maybe it maybe it's not the big fish, maybe it's a medium sized fish that fits more on your roster, and they they can't you can afford to pay them three million, but the other team doesn't think it's worthwhile. That makes any sense. And, and, and does it become is, is it a harder decision for that higher end guy because you also have to give up 
all the draft picks if if it happens because I mean that's a lot to give up. Mm-hmm. Whereas that middle, that, like you said, medium sized fish, you still have to give up some picks, but it's not as yeah, big not of a haul. Four, not the four first rounders. Yeah. I, you know, we. I, I think you have to look at you know what you what you have in your system. Do you have a lot of young guys coming? Like we, we have a lot of young guys coming. Right? So could we? Are, are we? Does that mean we're in a good position to do an? I don't know. Probably makes it a little easier to swallow if you do it, but I, like I like I said earlier, alluded to earlier, I haven't talked to Chuck about that, so I don't know that we're get, heading down that road. But you know, as a league, if you, it's a competitive league, so anything can happen, and it's in the rules. So when you do talk to him about it, you'll make sure to give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Um, I, I know now that you go into the off season, and Chuck's going to be the guy who makes this decision. Um, but we, we talked a little bit about Scott he, and, and the job that he's done as a coach. I know that there's going to be some bigger names out there and everybody's going to be talking about them, and, and, and I don't blame the Flyers if they start pursuing that path. right? I mean, obviously that's what you're trying to make the best team possible. But is, do you look at the, the job that Scott's done, and again, I know Chuck makes this decision, but do you look at the job that he's done and say, if we can find a way to keep him in, in the organization and keep him around, even if it's not as the head coach of the team, it might benefit us considering how well he he performed at, behind the bench with this team. Um, I know well, he's still well, in the mix, yeah, technically. Right? Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't, don't want to make it sound he, like he's he, out he, of the mix. He, he is in the mix. Right. I think he's, he's, you know, the way that the, for the job he's done, I think he deserves to be in, in that mix. I don't, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. Or, right. Um, you said it. It will be Chuck's decision and Chuck's decision alone on what, on what he wants to do. Uh, but Scott Gordon has done, a, done an admirable, admirable job under difficult circumstances, and you know I think we fell short a little bit at, at the end. But to come to, as I said earlier, to get for our position our team where we're playing some meaningful games in March, that, uh, we're good for our younger players to play in. Uh, with that. Um, that much on the line is good. Moving forward, it's good for them. I mean, obviously, next year we want to be doing the same thing, and then obviously playing in playoff games too. So that's sometimes it's a stepping stone. Um, I, I think uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, 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 I can't imagine it taking a long time. Uh, you know, we have one more game to get through, and then there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening in the first week player-wise, you know, meetings and exit meetings and physicals and stuff like that. And then, I, I mean, obviously, Chuck has, has uh, some work, work to do. I know that usually guys say, we thought that our players could do, we thought that they'd be able to turn it around, especially, like, when, when a team's performing poorly. Like, nobody's going to come out and say, our team sucks, right? Knowing where this team was and then knowing the, the kind of Organizational changes that we're going to have first with with Ron and and then with with Dave Paxtall. In all honesty, like, did you expect them to be able to turn it around as dramatically as they did? Where we went from hearing fans chanting "Lose for Hughes" or tweeting "Lose for Hughes" to get to the the top of the draft, and then within a month and a half, you're talking about could this be a historic comeback? Could this be a historic run to the postseason? I mean, honestly, did you ever expect it to get that far? Well, I, yeah, I did. Be honest with you, I, I I like our team. 
And I think there's, you know, there's certain teams that are up here. You know, there's Tampa Bay and there's Washington and there's probably Nashville and Winnipeg in the West that are are, are the probably the upper echelon of the league. And and then there's, you know, a lot of other teams that are kind of right in the right in the mix. And I think that's where we are. I think we fall short where we, we lack depth, um, particularly up front. I think our defense is is a a work in progress because of their youth and their inexperience. Um, but I, I like our team now. I like our team even better next year. Um, right now, and I think we have an op- we have opportunities where we can make ourselves better in the summer. I, I, I believe whether they, they happen or not, uh, you can never you never know until you actually get there. So um, I, I I like this team a lot, and we're gonna get we're gonna be better. For on a personal level, this this team has been kind of I don't want to say stuck, but kind of in the same mold for the last six years or so. When you sit there and look at it now, as you know, originally as the general manager, now as the president, do you think that there's anything that you could have done differently, or anything that in your role and your job and your responsibilities that could have that could be done other than changes that were made obviously this year that could have expedited this a little bit a little bit quicker because this is this is a sustained period of I don't want to mediocrity is probably a bad word but I mean that's that's probably about where it's at right we're in the business to win and we yeah we haven't won so I mean um I don't I don't look at it that way really Anthony it's just uh you know, you try to do you try to do what you can do to put your team in in the best position to win and uh you know, we we haven't done that in the last seven years. We, I think the last time we had any kind of a significant playoff run was um, 2012, where we played in the into the second round and and we didn't have a very good showing in doing that. I think we lost in five games. So obviously, that's not nothing to hang your hat on. We 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 want to win the Stanley Cup, and uh, it's pretty hard to do that when you're not even in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we have a lot of work to do this summer. Um, and I expect us to be um, active in a lot of ways to try to get better. Uh, but in saying that, I, I, I still like our team. I like a lot of things on our team. I think we lack in certain areas, but we we have strengths in a lot of areas as well. I know you're a competitive guy, and I know this. And I told Russ this story before we before you came in here. There was a time, a few summers back, I'm playing in a softball game in South Jersey, and you rolled up with your with your beach chair, sat right behind home plate with the scorebook because your daughter was playing on the other team. And you chirped me the, every time I came up to bat, and it really unnerved me. So I know that I know that you have that competitive drive, right? Thank you for that. That's a good thing. He needs to hear more. How, how much how, – how does the fire – does the fire still burn for you? It, you know, do you, do you see this as something that you want to see to fruition before you wander off into the, yeah, into ab- the sunset? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, w- I want Chuck to succeed. I want Scott Gordon to succeed or wh- whoever the coach is moving forward. Yeah, I love the Flyers. It's in my blood. So I-, I want the Flyers to win as much or more than anyone. Can it, can it get done while you're here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you think so? I mean, I'm it- only 40 years old. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Well, because that's, that's probably my. I mean, you're the young guy, right? He's being right? honest. Yeah. <laughs> I just was. I was just curious. Like, I didn't know if like I didn't know what your plans were moving forward. 
Um, so that's why I thought I'd, I'd ask. I'm excited to be here talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get it back to the flyer, shall we? Um, so when you talk about the the future of the team, names that have been popping up a lot recently among the fan base are like Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, and they both seem like guys who still need to add some weight. Like I, I'm not convinced that next year if if they were to enter the NHL at their current stature that they wouldn't get pushed around. Um, knowing that that kind of a, another young nucleus of sorts is on its way, mixing in what you have here with veteran leaders and of course with the guys who are in their second, third year continuing to develop, is this a thing where you, you sit back and say, maybe this should be another two or so years until we're a legitimate contender? Or is it something where you say, between RFAs and between unrestricted free agents, we're one or two pieces away from really blowing the top off this thing. Does it, like, which, which way? Well, I, I, I'm certainly not looking like two or three years. Like, we, we want to get better. We, we want to make significant strides next year. We believe we can do that in, in some respects with our current roster. By playing better, I think, uh, whether it's Scott Gordon or uh, whoever the new coach is going to be, He's going to have a training camp under his belt with, with this group. Um, you know, the players that, uh, the young players are going to have another summer to get stronger and get better. You know, you mentioned Faraby and Frost. Uh, you know, they're, over the summer, they're going to get stronger and get better. So the guys, Sandheim, Phil Myers, uh, Ghost, uh, Nolan Patrick, uh, Travis, they're, they're going to get better and stronger over the summer. So. It's, all, it's part of the maturation process, process that goes through young players. And, you know, we, we, we don't sit around and talk about, well, two years from now. We, we, we're all competitive. That's why we're in this business. We all want to get better quicker. And can we win the Stanley Cup next year? Why not? Why not? And that's, that's the attitude we have, all of us right now. And we're going to do everything we can to get better. And... Uh, be more competitive and be a better team all around. And that's that's the task that we've uh, put on on each other around here, and that's what we're trying to do. When you talk about being competitive, is, is there anything about the success of the other teams in the city? I mean, the Eagles won a Super Bowl. The Sixers look like they're a legitimate title contender in the NBA. The Phillies, of course, won in 08, but they went out and signed the biggest free agent they could have this summer. <clears throat> Is there a little bit of you that kind of wants to get in the mix with this where it, it feels like that kind of splash move? It, yeah. it used to feel like that. I, like yeah, in, I don't, I don't uh, you know what, I've, I've been around here a long time. I've, I've never felt like that. I think it's better. I mean, I've, I've been, I was, I was a player in, in the eight, early 80s when, when all four teams were, you know, in the championship. So I think it's great as an athlete when all four teams, why can't that happen all the time? Like I, I root for all the other teams in our Town. I think it's great the Phillies signed Bryce Harper. Um, I think it's great the Eagles are good. I, I love the fact that the Sixers are good. Like we, we want to. Do we want to be up there yet? Yeah, but it's not because of how they're. What they're not because of them. It's we, we're trying to get there because we want to be kings of the NHL, not kings of the city. The city is the city. We're, we're athletes in, in this city, and we want to do well for our fans. Uh. I wanted to go. We, we want to do a couple of, of fun things. We ask uh, people. We've asked every other guest to think back over their time in, in hockey. I know you've got a 
43-year career, 38, I think, with the Flyers, if I'm correct, maybe 37. My math might be off. Um, one of the questions that we've asked everybody is, and it could be a minor, it could be a minor league building, what was one of the f- your favorite buildings to, to go to, uh, to be in for a hockey game, whether it was as a player or as a coach or <laughs> even probably, as a general manager? Probably Chicago Stadium. Yeah. I mean, as a player, just walking up those steps, uh, the electricity in that building, you, you know, it felt like you were, it was just so tightly uh, surrounded, the rink. It seemed, I know the rink was not small like the Boston Garden or like some of the smaller rinks over the years, but uh, it seemed small, and uh, it was just an electric crowd. But walking up the steps was, um, I mean, you could feel the steps vibrate walking up. It was, it was the coolest feeling. Any crazy fan stories from, from uh, that you can uh, One of my first games in Madison Square Garden, I remember skating around in warm-up, and there was a guy standing there with this, I, I, I want to say he was like an eight- or nine-year-old kid, and the little kid was saying like, uh, like words I couldn't believe. <laughs> and, and the and the dad, I, I assumed it was his dad, was just standing there smiling. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't, I could not believe that. That's great. Um, you're a busy guy, but are there any? I don't know how much you're into TV. Are there any shows that you that you ever catch yourself binging, or is there anything that you're keeping up with? Game of Thrones comes back this week, so that's yeah. of course like the the main. I, one that I, I'm not a. I, I, I watched that. I'm not. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you a lot of the character. I, I know there's dragons. There are dragons. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's good. So I'm not. A, I'm not up to all the other names. I, I don't get the kingdoms. I'm still trying to catch up on that. <laughs> but do you have a show Is, that you that you watch? Uh, or a genre that you're into? I'm trying to think of. Uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of those things on. I binge, like I, Dexter. I binged on that. Okay. I remember one summer. Um, Breaking Bad. Oh yeah. Binged on that. You know, dur- during the. I think the one show I probably watch now, just because my wife watches the This Is Us, I watch that. Oh, it's a good show. Yeah. Do you cry? Yeah, yeah I do. I get I, emotional. It affects that me show. too. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a um, that tugs. In a lot of different directions. Yes, it actually. does. That show. It's pretty cool. Yes, it does. Um, I actually wanted to get back to one other thing NHL-related, and not really specific to the Flyers, but specific to the NHL. When we, when we you know, I, I'm just, and I'm refer- going off of the story that was written last summer by Nick Boyne that appeared on <clears> Players' <throat> Tribune where he basically said that, you know, you saved his life when he had that incident in Buffalo. Um and he talked a lot in that story about you know where things are with head injuries and concussions and i know dan carcillo has been a big advocate for that as well there's they have a big push to say that you know the league's done some but not enough do you think that the league can do more do you think that there's more they can do or do you think that this is just a nature of the beast because of the way the game is played and the speed that it's played at and it's a violent sport you know, I, I just wanted to, as a guy who's been around it for so yeah. long. Well, I think I think two things. I think the, you know, there, it's going to happen from time to time in our sport because it, there is a, a level of speed that's. Uh, I mean, it seems to get faster every year, right? When you watch it, but I I, I believe I also believe that the league has done uh, pretty much everything it can do in terms of. Uh, 
diagnosis and uh, pr well, for, first of all, pr prevention um, and, and diagnosis and um, care of what are the best assets in their players. Right. So do we know everything? No, but I don't think science has caught up yet and on, on the knowledge. We, I mean, when I played, and I joke around about this, the tests used to be like how many fingers, and if you were close, they said, okay, go ahead, you can play. <laughs> so, and I, and I know that's, I, I hate to joke about it, joke scary, about it yeah. but it's the way it that, was. Kind of like that. Yeah. Maybe not to that degree. But we, we've, come, we've come so far. And can we come farther? Yeah, and we probably will. Once science catches up and we get to know more and more, it's still a, almost, I don't want to say it's an unknown, but there's still parts of it are unknown on what uh, cause and effect of, of concussion. And we're, like we're I think we, we, we look after our players because they are our best assets. And... Can we do better? Yeah, probably, but we're working at it, and we're, and we're looking into it. When we, um, as as science catches up, we'll we'll catch up too. And I know you were always and always have been, and to very little fanfare because you don't like to make it really public. But I know you've always been a guy who's advocated for players who maybe are dealing with issues. Um, and, you know, you look at, and I, I reference that Boynton story because he was a guy who was became addicted to painkillers, and that's kind of like, I think one of those things that you, it's hard to really monitor because you, these guys will do anything to play to try and play through pain, and then you don't real, you maybe don't realize that what the, the what they're going through <clears throat> it, until until it gets to a point like where, where it did with Nick. Is there is there something that you know? And I know this team really focuses and, and makes sure that it, that their guys are in good in a good spot. But is there something that maybe could be done league wide with that as well to just make sure that um, you know, hey, let's let's control it or let's at least manage it or try and manage it better. So I, I, I think in house, Anthony. We I, I can't speak for other teams. I, we yeah. we manage it really. Uh, well. yeah. yeah, we do. do. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, you know, in terms of pain management and stuff like that, we do everything we can without getting into that stuff. Sure. Um, because of the dangers, um, obviously there's going to come. You know, there's going to be times when when you have to go down that road, and that part is heavily monitored by Jim McCross and our training staff as well as our doctors. So, um, does that mean things are going to slip through the aren't aren't going to slip through the cracks? No, Some things sometimes slip through the cracks, and and. Uh, but in-house, we we manage those things um, as good or better than anyone. And, and when and when they do slip through the cracks, it's always been your mantra to support at that point, correct? As opposed to just saying, "Oh, let's let this go." Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yes. So I I have one other hockey question for you. Um, when when we talked to uh, to Bob Clark, you brought up like the the move within the hockey community moving more towards analytics. And its uses, and then using tech, and the fact that you don't need to have everybody in, in the war room together at all times because of just the way that you can communicate via all kinds of technology. When when you look at where the game is trending, it's certainly more analytic heavy than it was when you played, and even when you were the GM. How much of of building a team? I mean, I know that Chuck's the guy who makes the, the decisions now, but like when you're going to make that decision on on a trade or, or signing someone, how much do analytics play a role in that? versus the, the eye test? Because that kind of, it feels like that's where 
the sports world in general, not just hockey, is at? Uh, it's hard to put a percentage on that. I think, you know, we've certainly, we're, we've, we're, into, we're into that fairly heavy now, uh, the analytics side. And uh, we have people on staff that chart everything, not only for our coaches, but for our scouts, for our young players, for, for the draft. So we, we're at all levels, we're, we're into that. Um, I, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you use that stuff for support. And then you get a, you're backing up what you what your scouts tell you and what your your management team tells you about players through the eye test. But there's no question it's it's gotten stronger and and more heavily uh, utilized by not not only the Flyers. I mean every team. That's all everybody talks about. So, um, but the. You know the actual going to games and watching players and getting to know players and um, the one thing they haven't figured out yet is how to test the guy's character and the guy's heart and the guy's uh, competitive spirit, uh, to my, at least to my knowledge. Um, and that, that's that's the important part of actually getting out there and seeing players and and sitting with them and getting in front of them and spending time with them. Uh, just to follow up on that. Do the analytics that we all talk about in the media, do they are they the ones that matter for a hockey team? Or, or do you guys have like your own internal things? <coughs> yeah, ignore, ignore was, I, I, I think some right. of that stuff that you guys in the media, I'm sure that we, we probably use some of that, but we have our own internal stuff that we right. use as well. That's what I thought. Okay. All right. Good. Paul, I really want to thank you once again for, uh, for coming pleasure. on the show. Really appreciate it. Really good stuff. And uh, have a great summer. Great. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, guys. That, my friends, was the hardest nut to crack. Not a Brazilian nut. Not a macadamia. Not an almond. That's Paul Holmgren. And uh, you know what? It was. I thought it was a little bit ironic that he doesn't really watch Game of Thrones because uh, his demeanor was that of a White Walker. And I mean that in a nice way. Because, see, in, in TV show Game of Thrones, the White Walkers are, are kind of, well, they're thought to be the main villain, right? They're supposed to be evil. But in the books, in A Song of Ice and Fire... They're mysterious. Their their beauty is discussed. the the uh, the the mere mention of them it it's uh it's a little bit more on the fantasy side. It's not not quite as as overbearing and and dark and brooding. So I don't want it to be that one. I want I want him to be the Song of Ice and Fire. He's he's a mysterious man. He's Paul. a complicated man. He's got many layers to himself. So I I Paul. Uh, that's that's Paul Holmgren. Paul, I hope when you listen to this episode that you hear this. I am so sorry for exposing you to Russ. I am so sorry. Okay, we can continue. I hope he laughed. I think he laughed. <laughs> he might have laughed. I did think it was interesting that he liked Dexter. Dexter's a good show. Yeah. Dexter is also a very quiet guy. Um, though Dexter's a serial killer. Paul Holmgren is a president of a hockey team, so it's not the same thing. But anyway. Yeah. Good show. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I can we let's let's talk about the main wow look at that my phone actually buzzed for the first time while we recorded a show it only took us over a year of doing this um here's here's what I think I, I want to start um let's get the the biggest takeaways out of the way and I think you know you had alluded to something that that you think is is a legit thing I think that's going to end up being the bulk of the conversation we could start there and then of course we have the thing that that I've been beating the drum on. I don't know which All right, one so we'll, start, start on. we'll start with. We'll start with mine. Um, you guys may have heard me delicately ask questions about his tenure as president. Um, 
you know, I wanted him to to address a what the last seven years have been like. Obviously, I mean, I know the fans really want to know that, like how he feels about it, and he did. I mean, he answered that question. It wasn't the greatest of answers, but he answered the question. And and then I, I kind of asked him, um, you know, w- did he think that he would see this through, that he would see this resurgence back to them being a contending team. Um. And, and um, if he did, and if he did, then then uh, then I that would suggest that he's going to be around for a while. I I don't necessarily that's think gonna that's going to be the case. And that's what I, and that's what I want to talk about. I I kind of get the sense that um, Paul Holmgren will be president of the Flyers for one more game, and then he might not be here any longer. Um, whether he chooses to retire, resign. I think that there is something coming as far as the the business side of this team. When you see it was announced last week that Sean Tilger, um, who is the uh, vice president of hockey of um, business operations uh, for the Flyers, I guess the, the chief operating officer, COO, um, he, he is uh, stepping down at the end of the season. Um, and that was because they brought in Val Camillo um, to be the, uh, I guess, the overseer of him. His boss uh, brought her from the Washington Nationals. Now, she um, uh, is not a Flyers employee. She's a Comcast Spectacor employee. But they they put up, created a position for her to kind of oversee what basically what Sean was doing you know, with the Flyers. Um, so he's stepping down. And I, I kind of get the feeling. I get the sense that that this is the end for Paul, that he's just not going to – I don't know if it's going to be an, an announcement right away, if it's going to be something that, you know, he sticks around through the summer, kind of helps with the draft and stuff like that, you know, or sees through the hiring of a new coach. I, I just think that come the start of the 2019-20 season, Paul Holmgren is no longer president of the Flyers. That's a, that's a, big, um, a big thing to say. It is. That's a, a, bold a bold prediction. I know. But there, there had been whispers, and and here it is. Like I'm. Yeah, and I, I look. I might be wrong on this one. I don't think um, you are. You know, there, there was one thing that he said in that interview I, that that to me, if you go back and listen to the part specifically, the part where he talked about like the team going forward, the way that he talked about Chuck, the way that he talked about uh, Gordon, and then he he kind of like backtracked a little bit. It was the last time he mentioned it. And about the team, it felt like a guy who was getting ready to say goodbye. That did not sound like a man who believes that he is going to be in this role for the next five years. And so I, you know, and yeah. and I don't know if that means that it is this year, but I, I it, it just it didn't feel. There were certain moments where he had like a very strong. There was strong conviction in what he was saying, and when it came up, like when, like I think he knew what you were trying to get out of him, and he said, "Well, you know." Uh, I'm I'm talking to you guys, you know, I, I I feel like we got about as close as we're gonna get without him coming out and saying that the end is the end is yeah. in sight. Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, and I know that there's gonna be a lot of people in this town who, if it if in fact it does happen, are gonna cheer and celebrate and you know say this is the greatest thing ever. But I I tell you that I'm I'm concerned. That the Flyers are are losing a little bit of their 
identity, their public identity with the fans. I don't mean by the way they play hockey. I don't mean about the personnel. I don't mean any of that on ice stuff. I just mean about the way they have relationships with the fans. You know, we we talked about um, the season ticket prices going through the roof, and some people are now would have to pay literally more than a hundred percent of the current price that they're paying just to keep their seats. I mean, a lot of people have ticket increases over twenty percent. I mean, the Flyers, the, the, the Comcast Spectacore people who are running this, the people who are making this decision, have n- they had, are not in touch with this city and the fan base. It's This is something that would never have happened before, and now all of a sudden is going to happen. So you lose, you're going to lose Sean Tilger, who, who understood this fan base maybe better than anybody that I know uh, in, in Philadelphia, as far as the Flyers. I, you know, obviously, it's a different animal for each team. But as far as the Flyers, he, he really knew this fan base. And Paul Holmgren was... You know, he has a legacy that is attached to, you know, trying to do things to win for this fan base. And I'm not certain that what we have in place now is going to is going to improve the fan team fan relationship. I think it's only going to get worse. Even if the team gets better, I'm not certain that it's going to be a great team fan relationship. I I don't know. I I could be completely wrong here. I might be off my rocker. I I don't know. Um, I just, I'm just getting that sense. I'm getting that feeling that this is the kind of th- stuff that's taking place down at the Wells Fargo Center, you know. And, and I don't think it's a good thing. I really don't. I think, I think it's losing a little bit of that. I hate to use this word because it's stupid, but I, I hate to. Use, it's losing a little bit of that family atmosphere. Well, I mean, down there, I, I, and that's something that the Flyers built 50 years of of hockey. On. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think it, it's. For a lot of people, it's going to be a very welcome change. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, I mean, that the casual fan doesn't know who Sean Childer is, right? But everybody knows who Paul Holmgren is. And when we put out there to the people, you know, what is it that you want to hear from Paul Holmgren? Like, what is the number one thing? What's the thing you want us to ask? I mean, a lot of people, and for better or worse, a lot of people said, you know, they cited his record as the GM. And there are people who were very upset that after Paul Holmgren um, did what some considered a decent job and some considered a poor job, ended up getting a promotion. And, you know, it's not something that we're going to sit across the table from him and, like, throw that in his face because there's nothing productive about it. So, like, I know that there's a chance that, like, listening back to that, there are going to be people saying, like, well, why didn't you ask him the question? Well, I mean, imagine you're sitting across from someone and you're like, yo, um, there's a, a decent contingent of people who think you're bad at your job, and then you got a promotion. Like, there's nothing productive that's going to come out of that. I, I would say... Well, and, no, and, 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 I, and that's and why I... I... In, in, like, in Holmgren's case, I think he made the team better in a sense. He actively tried to make it better. He left the team in cap hell. There is no debating that. I think the one thing that his lasting legacy was was the fact that the team ultimately came up short they did make a Stanley Cup final, but like they came up short, and there was a really bad cap situ- situation and a terrible farm system. He's essentially the inverse of what Ron Hextall was in that position, and you know, y- you hope at some point that Chuck Fletcher is going to be the the middle ground of those two guys. It doesn't mean that what Paul Holmgren did was was totally wrong. It doesn't mean that what Ron Hextall did was totally wrong. But like, you're going to have your your polar opposites in the fan base, and some are going to side with either. I get why people were frustrated. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. I, I'm not so sure that if Paul Holmgren ends up moving on, depending on who were to replace him, I don't know if you could say 
that it's it's a bad thing for the organization or it's a good thing. We don't know. We won't know until we see who it could be that could be replacing him. Yeah, I, and and I so I my prediction is is that Dave Scott, who is the chairman of Comcast Spectacor and, and kind of the guy making all these decisions, is is chasing names, and that's basically what I think is happening. Um, you know, obviously we know when it comes to the coach that he wants Joel Quenville to be the next coach, um, and Joel Quenville very well might be the next coach, but Joel Quenville is going to have. A handful, at least a handful, of opportunities this summer, um, and, and he's going to decide wherever he wants to go. It's not like the Flyers are going to sit there and blow people out of the water. I mean, you know, the Flyers are what they are, and I have a feeling that Chuck Fletcher, while he he'll recognize that Joel Quenville is a a good coach who's won three Stanley Cups, Chuck might like a different kind of coach. You know what I'm saying? When you look at who Chuck's hired. In, in his tenure when as a general manager when he was with Minnesota and he hired Mike Yo and Bruce Boutreau, um, neither come across as Joel Quenville type of coaches. So, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that that's a definite. Like, I, I think that they might pursue him because Dave Scott wants him. And, and in turn, who could be the next president if Paul were to step down or step away? What about Dean Lombardi? You know, I mean, he's kind of an appearance. Oh, Dean Lombardi. Oh, my God. He's, you know, what is he? He's just kind of like an advisor right now. Yeah, but I think Dean turned down a job um, recently uh, for another team. And I think it's more so because I th- he could get something better. Whether that something better is here or somewhere else, we'll see. But it, it wouldn't surprise me, Dean Lombardi, two-time Stanley Cup winning executive. Okay. So if you're Dave Scott and you're saying, well, geez, the, the fans are not happy. They're not coming through the door. Well, if I bring in a, a new president who's won two Stanley Cups and a new coach who's won three Stanley Cups, they're all going to come flocking back. And, and I think that's a short-sighted view. It could well be successful. It could work. It could absolutely be the best thing ever. And you sit there and say, see, this was the right call. But it has just as much of a chance of not working as it does of working. There's no guarantee. A lot, a lot will be dependent upon how Chuck Fletcher, who Paul Holmgren brought here as the general manager, is, manages this team. I, I think that is that is the, the most important thing. So, you know, you're right. It depends on who would, who would replace Paul if Paul does step aside, resign, re, uh, retire, whatever the case might be. But when you look at the coaching situation, I think it's the same thing. I think you're, we're in the same boat. I, there's going to be a coaching change here. Scott Gordon is not going to be the head coach next year. I, I think he did a great job, and I think he deserves a shot somewhere to be a head coach. Um, I, I mean, he took the last place team in the NHL and got them to within three points of a playoff spot when they were 16 points out in a matter of six weeks. It takes it takes some good coaching to do that. It really does. Um, and, and not just for, not just, he didn't make a lot of big changes. He made, you know, we, we, they talked to him, Paul talked about it, about, you know, little changes that he made through the, the way they played defense through the neutral zone. That was the big thing that, that kind of turned it around, but it was really more so the players buying in. And that's an important thing when you have a coach or a manager, the players have to buy in to what the coach is selling. And they, this, this group bought in to Scott Gordon for two months. Um, and, and that's that says something about him. That again, I don't think he's going to be the guy. He's probably fourth on the list. If I had to put the pecking order, I think right now, I think it's Joel Quenville is your number one guy that they want, whether they get him or not. Plan B, if he becomes available, 
I think is Bruce Boudreaux. I don't think that's a great hire if it is. If let's just say, for example, I'm just going to play a play a scenario out to you, Russ. Let's say Minnesota fires Boudreaux, which could very well happen there. Okay, he's not their new GM's guy. You know, he was he was Chuck's guy. Um, let's say he gets fired there. Um, I think Chuck would be interested in bringing bringing him to the Flyers. He's not won anything in the postseason. He's got one playoff win. In the postseason, well, he'll fit and the guy in, coached he'll fit in great Washington, Anaheim, and Minnesota for several years. I mean, that's it's kind of hard to have that the talent that was on those three teams and not be able to win more than one playoff round. So, I, but he likes them, and there are a lot of people in the NHL who like Bruce Boudreaux. I know for a fact that Bruce is a well liked coach. Uh, he's a players' coach in a lot of ways. Um, uh, so I, I think, it, but I think he kind of more fits the mold of what Chuck's looking for. If that's more than half the fan base saying, <laughs> "Great, we're going to bring in another guy who hasn't won in the playoffs. We're going to bring in somebody else who's yeah. going to continue this streak of mediocrity." I mean, they're well. That's I, the second. I, cho- that's that's their second well, choice. That's not their first. No, choice. I, I see what you're saying, but look, when when we say that Joel Quenville is the number one guy on this list, it doesn't necessarily mean that that it's something that exists, right? Like. The Flyers could say that that they want Connor McDavid, you know, if he hits the trade market, well, he would be our number one trade option. Well, of course he would be, but there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to go out and acquire him. In the case of Joel Quenville, like, don't you think that at some point, if the Flyers were able to go out and get him, they would have tried to woo him by now? I mean, maybe they've already tried to make inroads and it just hasn't, you know, they haven't sealed the deal yet. But, like, think about it. Throughout the season, right, when the initial move went down, when the initial firing of Dave Haxtell went down, this team was rumored to have already been in agreement with Joel Quenville, right? Two people put that out there. It was wrong. Um, and and even a week ago, there was a report that uh, Joel Quenville had been offered a contract by the Flyers, and uh, he declined, which well, neither you nor I have heard anything that, that even remotely resembles that. So, no, it's, a, it's 100% untrue. As a matter of fact, just to kind of clarify, um, when the Flyers fired Hackstall and, and brought in Scott Gordon— it, they only had they made the move basically because they had to. Um, they weren't ready to fire Hackstall just yet, and, and it may have been because they wanted time to try and talk to Joel Quenville um, to see if he would take the job. But the fact the fact was was that stories got out there. People started reporting that Hackstall was going to be fired, and this was going to happen. And Hackstall went to Chuck Fletcher, wanted a vote of confidence, couldn't get it, and Fletcher had no choice but to fire him at that point, having not even spoken to to Joel Quenville, and he had not even spoken to Joel Quenville at that point, um, regardless of what reports are out there, because Joel Quenville was away on vacation and, and did not was unable to be reached. Um, because of that, they had no choice but to promote Scott Gordon. It was the only option they had. I mean, it was either that or one of the assistant coaches on the team. Um, and I'm not certain that they were sure what they were doing with the current assistant coaches. Uh, um, so I think that it made sense that they just brought up, um, you know, Scott Gordon. He's got NHL coaching experience. He can kind of get through the rest of the year, and we'll see what happens. So there was never an offer made to to Joel Quenville. Now, there might be one. They may have been in communication since. There may have been plenty of communication, for all we know, since uh, December uh, through now. And, and who, for all we know, maybe Joel Quenville has already made up his mind that, yeah, he's going to come to Philadelphia. They're just going to wait till you know, sometime in, in May to make the announcement, right, once they get through exit interviews and, and prepare for their offseason and stuff, and then they make the change at that point. Who knows? Who knows? But I, I get the sense that Joel Quenville 
while that's a Dave Scott kind of guy because he's won three Stanley Cups, I think that Chuck is a different kind of general manager, and I think Chuck wants different kinds of coaches. And I would not be surprised if it's Bruce Boudreaux if Minnesota fires him, which I think, or lets him go, which I think could happen. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Boudreaux is next on that list. And then after Boudreaux, I still don't think Scott Gordon is next. I think the third name on the list is Todd McClellan, who's also out there, who's had some success in this league um, uh, with a couple different teams. Uh, but I think that that's, that's the pecking order. So I think that they're going to want Quenville first. If not, if Boudreaux is available, then he would be the next guy. And if he's not available or not, you know, doesn't want to come here, then I think it's McClellan. And then if all three say no, hey, Scott Gordon, want to come back and coach the team next year? I think so. I think that's kind of you know where it's going to go. Um, and and yeah, you know, it just this is what I'm talking about. Like it, it's different. It just the Flyers, just the way that they do things. Everything is just different right now. And different doesn't necessarily mean bad. It doesn't, but when it's when it's so unfamiliar and so unsure, I think it leaves people feeling a little bit more angst than they may have in the past. And and I think that as as a result, there's going to be a sharper spotlight, and there's going to be you know more under the microscope and a shorter leash on everything, and you know every, everybody's going to overreact quicker. I mean, there's a lot that's that's kind of the Flyers were, you know, were allowed to breathe a little bit before, and now they're not. And that's why I thought you gave a good question, even though Paul kind of poo-pooed it. I thought your question about, hey, the Eagles won a Super Bowl, the Phillies signed the biggest free agent, the, the Sixers are a, a championship contender. Do you kind of feel like you're lagging behind? <laughs> I thought that was a good question, and um, I mean, his answer was fine. I mean, yeah, oh, hey, we all want to, we all want to win. You know, everybody wants to win. It's good for the city when everybody's doing good. But I mean, obviously, we're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're just trying to, you know, be the best team in the NHL. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a danger that if you lose, the one thing that was always great about the Flyers is if they weren't, even though they weren't winning, they always were in touch with their fans, and so the, that's why the fans, you know, you always heard the, the term Stepford fans, whatever, blah 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 blah. But the fans were always there because of the relationship that the team had with their fan base. And when you lose that, which I think is slowly deteriorating and could get worse before it gets better, if the team's not doing well, you, you get apathy. And we've discussed this before. And that's what we had. That's what we had this entire you know first half of the season. It's the worst thing that could happen for any team. And ultimately, it's bad for ownership because they lose out on revenue through the gates. They lose out in parking. They lose out in concessions. They lose out in merchandising. And they and 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 honestly, I mean, just like anything else, imagine if this place, uh, you know, imagine the team gets off to a bad start next year. Like, let's say they don't go out and get their number one guy. And now all of a sudden you're playing to a half empty Wells Fargo Center again. You don't think that the the fan bases from other teams, especially like the Pittsburghs of the world and New York's, the the Washington's aren't going to start to rail against Flyers fans for that. You don't think that the. The perception of the Flyers across the league is is you know not going to drop if uh, if the fan base is apathetic. I mean, of course it will. I mean, you don't you do not want to be in the same kind of conversation as like a Florida, right? And and that's where this team was in the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, Russ, you don't want to end up like Florida. You absolutely don't. And and the, the, the this is what I was trying to say when I said that things are things are changing and not for the better. 
yeah, sure, this team could be good. This team could, you know, Dave Scott could could go out and get, you know, Joel Quenville and come in here and this team next year, you know, come out like, uh, you know, like uh, uh, their house is on fire and just blow away the Eastern Conference, in, you know, in the season, kind of like Tampa did this year, and, and everybody would be excited, and that's great. I mean, that could well happen. It could just as easily not happen. And if it doesn't happen – that's where your concern is that there's a disconnect. Okay, I thought your you know your question that you had asked Paul uh, you know about the other teams in this town, I thought was a, a pretty good question, even though he didn't really answer it the way I think you were looking for. But you're right. I mean, when the Eagles win the Super Bowl and the and the, and the Phillies go out and get the biggest name free agent in Bryce Harper, and and the Sixers are a cup contender, I mean a, a championship contender, you know it's easy to fall behind if you're the Flyers, and so if you if if you really want to maintain that level of of interest for your team in this town you better hit a home run this summer you better go out and hit it out of the park because if you don't this fan base is going to become even more apathetic because you're losing the connection that made the flyers and their fans symbiotic with one another i mean it's just not there anymore because it's becoming too corporate you're giving up on people who really knew how to keep the fans, you know, in involved and keep the fans interested. I, I, I'm sorry, bringing in. I don't want to. Val Camillo might be the nicest woman on the planet, and from what I understand from people who work down there, she's great. I, she doesn't know Philadelphia. The decisions that are being made are not decisions that will f- ultimately work here. They're just not. This is a. This is not a transient town. The it's tickets will get happen. bought, but the fans will be unhappy. The yeah, fans will feel so, like they've been betrayed. Will no, some it, will will some wicked rich person? I, and when I say wicked, I don't mean like a terrible person. I'm just like somebody who's incredibly wealthy. Will somebody buy those tickets? Absolutely. Those tickets that have spiked by what two hundred percent, a hundred percent, whatever. So those tickets will get bought. Like those lower level seats aren't going to remain unpurchased. But will they be filled? Is a very different story. Correct, right. and, and that only, and that is the bigger thing because you want a home ice advantage. How are you going to have a home ice advantage when the only seats that people can afford are in the upper level? And how are you going to fill those seats if the team is awful? You know, yeah. and that that's where like this this team, the way that they're stacking things right now for next season, it is so dependent on them getting a star. This isn't like a, to me. This isn't a let's just go and get a third line center and and call it quits for the off season. That can't work. It won't work. Nope. This team will not be a contender if their ultimate goal here is let's go out and get a second pair defenseman and like a uh, maybe a third line wing. That doesn't work. It 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 simply will not get this team to a point where they're going to contend. Will no, it, it will it make them a playoff contender? Sure, I guess it would. I mean, if you can get anybody, literally anybody who can play the wing and put the puck in the back of the net, that's an improvement, right? But like outside of that, like that, that doesn't make you an, an immediate contender. And so, you know, that that I think was in a in a way one of the things that I thought was interesting that Holmgren said, um, you know, especially, especially about like the, the RFAs. This is my my drum that I've been beating for how long now? Yeah. You know, while he said that he hasn't talked to Chuck Fletcher about, you know, what the plan this offseason is, which I don't believe at all. And Paul, if you're listening, I don't believe you, but it's OK. Um, I, I, I get the idea that he said that. You know, he doesn't know if the team is going to be in on, on big RFAs, right? And obviously those guys are like the Marners, the points of the world. But when he mentioned the the medium-sized fish or the smaller fish, 
And he mentioned, you know, paying $3 million for a guy. It sounded almost exactly verbatim from what Bob Clark said to us about a month ago. And that is is very telling on a few levels. One, in that I think Bob Clark has more to do with what happens with this team than he let on. And I think Paul Holmgren has much more to do with this team and with player personnel decisions than he might let on. I think the fact that both of those guys have now signaled that there is a possibility, and he spoke at length about the possibility of there being somebody in that middle tier who ends up getting an offer sheet. Hey, Kasperi Kapanen, you may as well get yourself ready. Get ready for the contract that's coming because it's coming your way. Yep. Right? I agree, like, I it, agree with you. I, yes. I mean, we may as well just get the guy's jersey made up. He doesn't even need to come and visit. Like, if he's listening or if Sammy's listening, go send this to your son. Your kid's about to get a nice contract offer from the Flyers. And that's fine. And, like, I think Kasperi Kapanen's a good player. So he is an upgrade to this roster. But if ultimately at the end of this, your offseason is getting Kasperi Kapanen and, like, a guy who might be a second pair defenseman, that is not going to make you an immediate contender. The thing that you brought up last episode about the Flyers potentially pursuing Eric Carlson. Now, if you're able to go out and get Carlson and Kasperi Kapanen, all right, that's a very good offseason. Does that make you a cup contender? I don't know, but it certainly is a better step. Yeah. It's kind of where I'm at. And I think anything short of that is a disappointment. Yeah. Uh, And so I I think that that was the most, to me, that was the most telling thing that that Paul said in our interview. Um, I really believe that that's a thing now. Not that it's going to necessarily be cast Barry Kapanen. Now, of course, I heard that for a while now, but but that the Flyers are going to going to you know dip their toe into the RFA waters once again and they're probably going to go after someone who's not a big name guy and the reason that they're going to do it and the reason Kapanen makes the most sense is because you got a guy like Mitch Marner in Toronto who the Maple Leafs are going to have to give big money to well if you overpay for a guy further down their lineup and knowing that they have to pay big money to the big guy they're probably not going to be able to make it work and so that's why it makes sense you don't have to give up as much in return um as far as draft picks go, or you can work out a trade so that the draft picks don't go. Like, There's a lot of things that can happen. But I think that that's the kind of player that you're looking at, and I think it's go- I honestly think it's going to happen, Russ, that that's one of the ploys that the Flyers are going to, impl- that they're going to try and use this offseason to make this team better is going and offer sheet a mid-level guy as opposed to a big-level guy. I think, that, I think that we asked that question, what, four times in four different ways today? And a lot of times when you ask the same question in a, just in a different way is when you get the second or third answer is usually when you get your your best response. And I think that that's when Paul Holmgren told us that that's what the Flyers are going to do. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I think I, that that's, I that's, that's the biggest news. I want to beat our, my chest show. after this whole thing and saying, you know, an RFA. Ha, there we go. <laughs> I'm not so, usually yeah, I mean, one to just be like, hey, I just want to be right on this one. But I, I really do. I want to be right yeah. on this one thing. Let this one thing happen. Paul, go into Chuck's office and let him know, I want an RFA. I don't care who it is. It doesn't even have to be a good RFA. <laughs> Just get somebody. Go get me like, get me like the, uh, I don't know, get me the, the Swedish uh, version of Yuri Laterra. Right? <laughs> the Finish? Yeah. Like, I don't care. If he's an RFA, sign him. I'm happy. Yeah. Let's just go. I like honestly, that's now two senior guys with the Flyers who have said it's in the rules. Yeah, it's in the rules. Then why doesn't anybody use the damn rules? You know, yeah. this is the thing. And, and seriously, the way that this offseason is setting up doesn't just have to be the Flyers with the wealth of talent that's available in the RFA market. If not a single offer sheet is put out to an RFA and or signed, 
then get rid of the thing from the CBA. Just yeah. don't, there's no point in having it. So they, I think that the, this is the perfect storm of yeah. talent that's young, that's dynamic. If nobody is going to put an offer sheet out to these guys, there's no sense in having it because it means that the owners are colluding. It's the only it's the only possible explanation is that the front offices in this league are colluding, and I don't I don't want to be a part of it. Like just get rid yeah. of it. Uh, no, I, it's not. It's, it's. I think the, we're primed for it now, Russ, because the game in the last, you know, five to ten years has kind of changed a little bit. It's gotten a lot younger. It's gotten smaller and faster. Right? We've all we've talked about this. This is not a big surprise to anyone. Um, but because of that, guys have come into the league at a younger age and have become good players at younger at a younger age. Whereas they they probably couldn't have done that before because the league was an older league. Um, back in the, in the older days. Now you can kind of get away with it a little bit more because the teams are younger than they've ever been. Um, so you can you can get away with the mistakes that you would make because you're making them against other guys who are making the same mistakes because they're the same age as you. So what ends up happening is you get star players at a younger age, and so therefore they hit their restricted free agency at a younger age. And so therefore you sit there and say, well, gee, if I have to go after a big-name restricted free agent, I do have to give up four first-round picks. Look at the talent that I'm getting, and he, I'm going to lock him up for a decade it's going to be worth it, right? So that's the reason why it's, and we're it's working be, now. And we're going to be such a competitor that those four, four yeah. first-round picks are going to be late and, yeah, and exactly. won't matter as much. Um, exactly. Anyway, I, I did think that his reaction to Farabee and to Frost being brought up was also interesting. Um, I think it's very clear that he thinks highly of the farm system, and I, I do think that's a good thing. Again, that is a credit to Ron Hextall. Yeah. There, there is just like that. It feels like there's going to be another wave of players. You know, those guys might not be on the roster next year, but you can definitely feel like they could compete for a spot the following year, right? Mm-hmm. Even a guy like Isaac Ratcliffe, who put up 50-plus goals, like, there there still exists this possibility that when all is said and done, this team is going to be a legitimate contender within three years and is going to be able to continue to replenish itself. And that is the thing that makes it, you know, the most dynamic group I think we've had in a decade. You're not wrong. Well, no, I mean you're not wrong, but I, if you're gonna if you're gonna continue to play that waiting game, it's going to take longer than a year, and that's why I, when I asked Paul how does this team compare to when he took over in '07, and he said it's about it's very similar with the with the addition of the fact that it has a, a young group of guys coming as well. So that so that's what makes it that's what makes this this situation a little bit better, but it's it's easy it's not as difficult as it seems to turn around from one season to the next in the NHL. And I think that that's kind of where, um, you know, this Flyers team is going to go. And whether Paul Holmgren is here to preside over it will remain to be seen. Um, I think he'll yeah, – but you know what else? I, mean, I know I mentioned at the, at the onset of this post-interview um, portion of the program that I think that he's going to retire slash resign. You know what I could see? I could see him getting a similar role to Clark become you know he's going to retire or resign from the presidency but be given like a senior advisor kind of role so that he's still a member of the flyers he still flies in on occasion to talk about things and meet with chuck and da 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 but that he doesn't have the day to day doesn't deal with the day to day as much as he used to and i think that that's that's a very real possibility as well so anyway that's out there now as well I think I, I think I lost Russ for just a second. I'll just keep talking. Uh, Russ will be back. He sent me a note. 
<laughs> gotta love recording uh, uh, and uh, a podcast, and you know your partner sends you a note on your you know on the message thing uh, that we use. We use this podcasting network, and there's a little thing in there, and I I didn't see the note until just now when I went to throw it back to him, and uh, it, this is a great little daddy thing, and I got, I'm gonna say it. He's not gonna know that I said it. He says it says the note says I'll be right back. Got to give Luca a hug before bed. Isn't that nice? So he went to go give his son uh, a hug before he goes off to bed. Um, so the Flyers will um, uh, wrap up the season against the Carolina Hurricanes. And, um, I, you know, you, you'd like to think that the Flyers will try to, you know, give one last good game for the home crowd um, before uh, before things, you know, shut down for the season. But Carolina's got an opportunity in that game to jump Pittsburgh for the third for third place in the Metropolitan Division. And there's a big difference about between playing the New York Islanders in the first round and playing the Washington Capitals in the first round. Um, so I think Carolina's going to come here to play. Uh, I don't think Carolina is going to sit on, on their laurels just because they clinched a playoff berth on Thursday night um, and uh, and just kind of rest guys and just take the game for granted. I think that Carolina is going to come in here at t- to play to win um, with that opportunity to jump up and, and you know get that uh, third place finish. Um, Pittsburgh plays the Rangers um, at home, so it's not you know they need they need Pittsburgh to also lose. Um, so it's not just Carolina wins and oh my god they're third place. Um, the, there's a combination of the two things need to happen, but I still think Carolina is going to um, come in here with that with that attitude, and uh, the Flyers, you know, I think that they'll maybe give them a better game than, than they've been playing the last few games since been since they've been eliminated. I mean, they've looked terrible. Um, you know, they were bad in Dallas the other night. They were terrible in St. Louis. Um, so they just really have not looked good. Um, they're really just kind of playing out the string at this point and trying to get to the get get to their off season. Um, but I think that they they'll try and give you one more good game um, before the season wraps up for the year. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that you know that's the one thing to kind of kind of I guess look forward to in the in the final game, um, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll head into that off season um, uncertain for uh, what it'll bring in the future. Um, I do know that, or I do feel that, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there on Twitter who want to just go, you know, say, let's part ways with the the core members of this team. Um, I don't see that happening. I think that Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek will all be back next year. Um, I think that they will all, they are all still uh, in the prime of their career. I think Actually, Couturier is probably just entering the prime of his career at 26 years old. But I think Giroux and, and Voracek are still in that prime. Um, I don't think that they're um, on the downside just yet. And I know that a lot of people think that that they have never they haven't won anything with this group. And I get that. I understand that. Um, but I don't think that this group has really had the talent and the depth around it that it, that it needs to succeed. And uh, so because of that. You know, I, I think that you're gonna you're gonna see that this group stays together, the, the core group at least stays together um, as we move into um, next season. The interesting thing, and you know, we discussed this before, that the Flyers are gonna go out and try and get three different position players, uh, at least one veteran defenseman and a winger and a center, or two wingers and move Drew back to center. One of those two options there, they're gonna be the three. 
Um, so it'll be an interesting off season. And uh, Russ is back. So hey. I think we can we can think we can now uh, wrap up the show since I vamped for about six and a half minutes. I was there. gonna say like I, I came back down. So this is uh this is one of those times where we had to uh, we had to record around a bunch of schedules and I just had to put my three year old in bed. And they, my, they my know. wife my wife once again they, doing yeoman's work or yo woman's work. Uh, yo woman, doing <laughs> yo woman doing uh doing both bedtimes. So. Uh, Anyway, had to go up, and of course, I couldn't just give him a hug and kiss and say goodnight. It, it, it ended up becoming, uh, telling me all about his day. So I'll, when he wakes up in the morning, I'll have to let him listen to our uh, our interview with uh, Paul Holmgren, and, and he can uh, give me his notes and his thoughts. Uh-huh. Make him listen on two times speed. But uh, speaking um, of people leaving their thoughts, let's go over to yes. the iTunes reviews, my friend, because uh, believe it or not, since the last episode of Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast... The People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Personnel Podcast, Pampers Podcast, Pedialyte Podcast, per, uh, Presidential Podcast. We've received two new iTunes reviews, and uh, I'm trying to navigate to them. This computer I'm working on typically is uh, is nice, and uh, today all of a sudden it just decided to uh, become the antichrist of, uh, of Apple computers. Anyway, here we go. <clears throat> two new five-star reviews. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. Yeah, by the way, we're up to 76. Uh-huh. Uh this one is from Optimist2727, who says, Fanatic Podcast, I'm thinking that's supposed to say Fantastic Podcast, yes. Talking Hockey, five stars. Uh, love when I get the alert that I have a new Snow the Goalie podcast. This makes my commute on Route 42 much more tolerable. I don't mind the traffic as I sit back and enjoy the conversation. These guys chat like you're sitting in the backyard talking around a fire with a beer in hand on a Saturday night. Keep going, boys. Well, thanks, thanks Optimist. Optimist. 2727. Thanks, nice. man. And his, his typo might be a little prescient. Move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, Balmuth. Balmuth? Balmuth? Uh, Snow the goalie. Five stars. <clears throat> the pod is great. The information is good, and the hosts are fun. It is a different take than some of the other Flyers podcasts. That's weird. We're the only one. And I like that it adds to the, or I like that it adds to the discussion in, in a different approach. I know I get some crud for always, pl- or I know they get, oh, they, I know they yes. get some crud for always plugging themselves or their other content, but they're allowed to. It is a free podcast. Darn right, Balmuth. Keep up the great work. I enjoy the show. This is Snow the Goalie's only review, the people's review, the player's review, the staff review, frankly, the only review that takes things and turns them on their head. Thank you for reading. Balmuth. Did you, did you, did you write a review for us? Is I that didn't. you? I should though, but no, I did not. <laughs> I like that. It's a great review. I really appreciate it. When I saw that. The people's review, the players review, the staff (laughs) review. That's amazing. When I saw that, I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. So thanks, Balmuth. Anyway, uh, we love the five-star reviews. We're up to 76. When we hit 100, we're going to do something. I don't know what that something is going to be. We'll have a giveaway. I don't know what the giveaway is. I'm just going to use Kyle's credit card. All right. So uh, don't forget to go over to uh, to iTunes, to Apple Podcasts, whatever you have on your iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, go find a computer that has iTunes. If you can't find a computer, uh, it's 2019. Go back in the time machine and find your way to uh, 2019 or some other year. Uh, leave a five-star review for Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, Personnel podcast, Presidential podcast, PDLI podcast, Pampers podcast, Prognosticators podcast. Did I leave any other P's out? I don't think so. Uh, for Anthony, who you can find on Twitter. <laughs> At Anson Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Don't forget, go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. A bunch of episodes dropped this week. Of course, the flagship of this great network, Crossing Broadcast with myself and Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Uh, we broke down uh, pretty much every sport in town because, uh, well, I don't know if you knew this or not, Anthony, but Crossing Broadcast is the only Philadelphia 7 for 7 podcast. Soon to be 8 for 8. 
perhaps nine for nine or ten for ten. That's what we're here for. Um, Crossed up, a Phillies podcast, a very good podcast, I believe. To my knowledge, it might be the only Phillies podcast. I'm not positive. I'm still doing research. <laughs> um, but it is the only podcast that you need to listen to for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Phillies. Of course, that's uh, Anthony and Bob Wankel, who you can find on Twitter, at BW Crossing Broad. Um, and, and somebody, and, by the and, way, go ahead. Now, I was just going to add to that that um, it looks like uh, Bob and I. Oh, don't say it. Yet. Don't say it. Don't make that announcement. Don't don't make that announcement. Oh, seriously, do I got to wait. Don't, nope, don't do it yet. <laughs> I almost okay. did it yesterday and I got in trouble, so don't do it. Uh, you anyway, got in trouble. Uh, go check them out. You? By the way, um, I need people to start harassing Bob on Twitter because uh, Bob's, Bob's uh, writer page on the website has his actual name written. Yet on Twitter and on his, uh, his name that he posts under on CrossingBroad.com, it still says like B Wanks or BW Crossing Broad. Use your real name, you coward. Uh, anyway, also go check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with uh, Kevin Kincaid. I think he's dropping a new episode this weekend. And believe it or not, Anthony, your favorite show, mm. the one that you care the most about, international football, right? We had uh, Crossing Broad FC with myself and Phil Kaidel, who you can find on Twitter at Phil Kaidel. That's K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Kaidel. We uh, broke down the Champions League round of 16. We previewed the, uh, the final eight, and we talked about some games that are coming up. Anthony... Don't forget tomorrow. This is a big. This is big news. Are you ready for this? I know that we're going to be at the Flyers game. I know we are. Okay, but there's a bigger match happening earlier in that day. Do you want to know what it is? Can't wait. Der Klassiker. That's right. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund are going to go head to head at 12:30. It is. Uh, it's the biggest match in German soccer, and uh, right now, a lot of money on Bayern to uh, to take the top of the table of the Bundesliga. Ah. <sighs> I know you're excited. I'm excited. Anyway, those are all the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Make sure you check them out. There could be announcements coming about things. I don't know what those things are. Anthony tried to make an announcement about something. I, I shut him down. Perhaps there are other announcements. Maybe I'll shut those down too. Or maybe we'll announce them. Who knows? By the time you hear from us next episode, there might be some cool news going around with Crossing Broad. But you'll have to stay tuned. Go check out the site. Check out the things that are written. And of course, because this episode is going out well ahead of game time, Make sure you join us for the Press Row Show, uh, available on Twitter slash Periscope via the Crossing Broad page at Crossing Broad and Anthony's feed at Ant San Philly, as well as on the Crossing Broad Facebook page. So it's going to go up to all those places. Make sure you follow us before the game, during the first intermission and second intermission. It will be our last broadcast for this season. Can you believe it, my friend? It's been a whole season last that we spent together. Yeah, Isn't that amazing? That, that's great. I don't, I don't know how I made it, but it's great. Well, you know, you're the muscle, you're you're the brawn, and I'm the brains, and here we are. Anyway, uh, another wonderful episode. A big thank you again to uh, Paul Holmgren for hopping on the show with us today. Hope the people enjoyed it. And don't forget, take us to task. Let us know if you liked the interview. Let us know if you hated it. Let us know what your thoughts were. Follow us on Twitter at JoyOnBroad at Philly. Go into the description of this episode, and our, uh, our handles are hyperlinked there. All you have to do is click on it. It'll reroute you to Twitter. Follow us there. Life is good. For Anthony, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again next week as we, I believe are planning on doing some kind of a full-on hypothetical off-season preview for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, the orange and black. (sighs) Don't worry. Next year, they'll be back.